Well, good morning, church. I don't know if uh, if hearing hearing okay sound okay. Uh, thank you, Tom, for the water up here. Appreciate that. Um, excited to be here. Um, and you know, Rick, I, I resonated with what you shared because um, every time I have the opportunity to preach the word. Um, there's a little bit of what I would call fear. And I think it's a healthy fear. It's a good kind of fear. It's a fear of, uh, of God, a fear of handling his word. And any time we have an opportunity to come and teach and preach and even present uh, before the body of Christ from God's word, we want to do it well. And, you know, I, I'm just reminded as you were sharing that of how in the scripture... Paul says, who is sufficient for these things? And I wonder that sometimes even as I as I share and as I teach, Lord, who am I uh, to stand before your people and share your word? It's a great privilege and it's a great honor. Um, so grateful that uh, for the opportunity uh, to come and, and just be with you all here at Prairie View. So many familiar faces and it's just awesome to see everybody. Uh, here and see some of your families and, and uh, just I'm grateful for the opportunity. Ben, thank you for asking. Um, and Craig, just for the record, when I had uh, the question asked of me through Ben, if I'd like to come and, and share and preach on a Sunday morning in April, um, I, I think I took all of about that much time and said, yes, um, it's a joy uh, to be able to come and have the opportunity to share God's word. So uh, my full-time work right now is with an Indianapolis-based company called Sky Outfitters. I'm one of four staff people, uh, primarily working in the arena of sales. I never in a million years would have thought myself to be in sales. Um, still don't know how good I'm doing at it, but I really love what I get to do. I love the company. I love the people that I work with. I love what we're about. I love that we get to start each day online. We have a 30-minute checkpoint uh, we're all we meet remotely and we meet online and for 30 minutes we just kind of touch base and we begin each of our meetings in prayer. And it's just an awesome thing to be able to go to the Lord and give to the Lord the work that we're doing. We can encourage one another in our work. We can pray for one another. And it's just awesome to be connected to a company that's tuned into the things of God. It's a joy to participate in a culture where. Being a witness to Jesus. Thanks for the lesson earlier, Ben. Right on point. You know, being a part of a culture where being a witness to Jesus is encouraged and supported wholeheartedly. And that's really what I'd like to speak to you this morning about is, is being a witness to Jesus. For Jesus. Being used by Jesus. In this short blip of time that we have here. On the continuum of eternity, we're here but for a small time. James says this way that we are but a mist, here for a while and then gone. How are we using, how are we leveraging, how are we stewarding the time the Lord's given to us in being a witness to Jesus Christ? Now, I realize not everyone here has the same kind of setup. Um, as what I do in my own environment at Sky. 
However, as I read the Bible, the call to be a witness doesn't come with any asterisks or caveats, no parentheses, no, no brackets around Christ's call to be my witnesses. We're one week removed from celebrating our risen Savior. And I told Ben it would be great to just pick up on the other side of the empty tomb. So that's what I'd like to do this morning. In fact, our our text today sits within the context of waiting. Are there any folks here who see themselves as great at waiting? I I don't know too many people that excel or have a gift of waiting. We like things now. And yet the, the passage that we're reading, if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke 24. We'll be looking at two passages primarily. Luke 24, verses 44 through 49. And then also, uh, you can hold that and also turn to Acts chapter 1. We'll be looking at verses 4 through 8. They really go hand in hand. So in this period of waiting, Jesus has been raised from the dead on the third day, just as he said he would. He's appeared to many of his disciples at this point. And Luke 24 shares an interesting account of Jesus joining a few disciples on the road to Emmaus. You might remember that account. Acts chapter 1 verse 3 tells us that post-resurrection, Jesus appeared to his disciples over the course of 40 days, speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And then there's this interim period, this waiting period, some 10 days between when Jesus ascends back to be with the Father and when the promised Holy Spirit shows up from heaven. The event is well known to many of us here in the church. It's the Acts 2 day of Pentecost, right? So I'd like us to just read Luke 24, and I'll start in verse 44, and and then I'm going to continue on into Acts chapter 1. I want you to remember that Luke, as he's moved by the Holy Spirit in his writing, Luke has written two volumes for us, the Gospel of Luke. He also wrote, uh, wrote our church history book, which is Acts. And we can read about the early church teaches us about the early church in that pivotal point in time in history when the Holy Spirit showed up. Or maybe more rightly said, when he came down. He came down to abide in us. An amazing thing. So let's look at the text. Verse 44 of Luke 24. Then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. That all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, thus it is written and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. But tarry or wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued or clothed with power from on high. We continue in Acts 1 verse 4. Being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father, which he said, you've heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit 
not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons which the father has put in his own authority. But I know the scripture gives a lot of uh, significant contrast with but. Right. But here's one of them. But he's kind of he's turning their focus away from the question they just asked. Hey, this is not something that you need to know about or worry about. But here's what you do need to worry about. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks this morning for you are a good God. And Father, I was listening this morning uh, to to a song that just reminded me. And it's a prayer, Lord, that I put forward here this morning for all of us that you keep us in the moment. And I pray, Lord, it would be our heart's desire not to miss anything that you have for us while we're here. Establish, I pray, your truth to your servants. Incline our hearts to your testimonies. Teach us your precepts, Lord. Give us ears to hear what you would want us to hear today. And I pray that our feet would move swiftly to walk out these truths in our lives this week. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would take this word and open our minds to understand it. We need your help. Lord, we need your instruction. We need your wisdom. And I pray that you would open our eyes today to what it means to be a witness to Jesus. See that our lives draw attention to you, Lord, and not to us. So we pray all this in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Yeah, amen. So be it. So the big idea, if you are a note taker, um, here's here's kind of a big idea in a a short phrase. If you don't remember anything else, um, remember this. This is sort of what I would call a portable truth. Just something you can take with you. If you don't catch anything else, this is really the big idea, main idea, focus. And that's this. A witness to Jesus. Walking in the power of the Spirit helps others see God. Right? A witness to Jesus walking in the power of the Spirit helps, enables even, others to see God. Now, what is a witness? I think in general it's good for us to understand a witness by definition. Um, A person. One who has information or knowledge of something and can bring... Something to light or confirm something. In its most basic sense, the word is really a word that's used in the, in the courtroom uh, as a legal witness. In the court, they bring witnesses to the stand to testify, to give some kind of evidence of what's happened in this particular case. There's a verb witness, to witness, which to testify, to give evidence To affirm that one has seen, that one's heard, that one's experienced something. And you know, what's interesting in the court of law is that when a witness comes to the stand, they come to the stand specifically to share facts, not their opinion. A witness doesn't give opinions. A witness is sharing facts of what they know to be true. In this text today that we just read, 
Jesus, before ascending to be back with his father in heaven, he says in Luke 24, 48, and you are witnesses of these things. In Acts 1a, he says, you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And, you know, as you think about and consider this morning being a witness to Jesus, does the thought of being a witness to Jesus sound intimidating or a little bit overwhelming to you? I mean, we are the ones chosen by him, designated by him to be a representative of him. And when you hear, be a witness to Jesus, do you immediately think of all of the shortcomings in your life that trip you up on a daily basis and keep you maybe from what you would envision being a witness that Jesus would call you to be? You know, if we think about for just a moment, push pause. It's an amazing thing that Jesus, our King and Savior, calls upon his imperfect creations marred by sin to be witnesses to himself. I mean, think about the Lord could have chosen a whole lot of other options. And I think about sometimes, why me? I'm, I'm so broken. There's a whole lot of things wrong with me. I'm getting a lot older. I start forgetting a whole lot of things. I could make a whole list of reasons why God, through Jesus, you've got some better options out there besides me, surely, Lord. It's an amazing thing to think that he is using, choosing to use you and me to be a witness to him in this life. And so thinking about that, are you inclined to delight in or dread the fact that that in Christ you're now called to be a witness to Jesus? You see, delighting in and dreading. Delighting in is the idea of I get to. I get to do this. He chose me. It's an honor as opposed to. I have to. It's that to do that just it's a perpetual to do that I can never get by. I have to. Boy, world of difference between those two perspectives. See, when trouble comes because of who you are as a witness to Jesus, what's your response? And I I think about as an example, John the Baptist comes to mind This this man who was sent from God. This man came. John chapter one says he came as a what he came as a witness To bear witness of whom? The light, capital L. Why? That all through him might believe. Well, what a great definition. What a great, just right there in John chapter 1, of why it is we're to be a witness. What's, What's the purpose behind our witness? It's that others would see Christ through us. The text in John says he was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. You see, John's witness, understand this, led. John's witnessing to Jesus led to his own death. Speaking truth as a representative of Jesus landed John in prison where he eventually was beheaded. There's this familiar gallery of witnesses that we are aware of in Hebrews 11. These men and women who walked by faith, trusting in God for their next steps, walking in obedience to his word, even when they couldn't see the end result. We want to know where we're going, Lord. We want to know how this is all going to pan out. Guess what? We're called as followers of Jesus to walk by faith. 
Is it good enough that God said it? Or do you need all the answers before you start moving? By faith. By faith. That's how all those paragraphs begin in Hebrews 11. So as we're looking at this idea of being a witness to Jesus, the first thing I want to say is that a witness to Jesus walks by faith. I really and this I want to make I just put an asterisk in my notes here to mention that this first point is not specifically in the Luke 24 or the Acts 1 text. But it's foundational to being a witness to Jesus. And the Bible is very clear on on this foundation, how this foundation fits with the gospel narrative. Right. Ephesians two, verse eight, for example, for, for by grace, you've been saved through what you've been saved through faith. Right. And it goes on and says, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. I'm so glad he set it up that way, that it's not about our works. It's not about uh, attaining to a certain level, but we're saved by his grace through faith. A witness to Jesus walks by faith. And, you know, could it be? That we're so consumed with our part in being a witness to Jesus that we miss the significance of how we're to carry this out. See, being a witness to Jesus on my own, in my own strength, is futile. By faith was true for the ancients. And I would ask church, isn't it still true for us today? By faith. Aren't we too called to walk by faith? In fact, we see in that Hebrews 11 gallery in verses 5 and 6. A man named Enoch. Remember Enoch? Enoch was the man who lived for a while and God took him away. Just took him. But the text says in verse 5 that while Enoch was still around, his testimony was that he pleased God. How many of us want to please God with our lives? That was Enoch's testimony while he was here. Pleasing God. The very next verse says, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. So as we consider whether we are a witness to Jesus, friends, there must be this foundational faith in place. The kind of faith that's exhibited by um, Abraham, described by Paul in Romans 4. I love this. Talking about Abraham, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in what? He was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what He had promised he was also able to perform. Remember what was going on in Abraham and Sarah's life? Abraham's about 100. His wife's about 90. God says, you're going to have a child next year. That's the context of this. Abraham believed it was going to be so. Because he believed in who God was. He was fully convinced that what God said, God was going to do. Do we have that kind of faith? It's a faith that's grounded and rooted in the bigness of the God that we serve. Could it be that being a witness to Jesus has less to do with rearranging the parts in my own life? As though that makes the difference anyway. And maybe more to do with simple childlike trust in him. A witness to Jesus has a high view of who God is. A witness to Jesus believes by faith that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. A witness to Jesus believes by faith that Jesus died on the cross, that he was buried, that he was raised again on the third day, according to the scriptures. A witness to Jesus 
believes by faith that one day he's coming. Oh, glorious day. We look forward to that day when we get to see Jesus face to face and spend all eternity in his presence in a place that the Bible calls heaven. A witness to Jesus walks by faith. But there's more. A witness to Jesus walks with understanding. Look at Luke 24, verse 48. And you are witnesses of these things. I would ask, and I hope that you ask, what things? It takes us back to verse 44. These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. That all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. So Jesus is telling him here in verse 44, you were around me when I spoke about being handed over to the Gentiles. You were around me when I spoke about going to the cross, when I, when I spoke about being buried, when I spoke about being raised on the third day and many other things. You were around. You heard me say these words. And he says, guys, I want, I want you to know something. The reason I spoke those words, the reason I did those things is that all these things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And then at this point, the text unfolds what might serve as, at least to me as I'm reading it, it serves as almost this movie flashback in verse 45. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Can you imagine the disciples in that moment as Jesus is talking to them about all of these scriptures that must be fulfilled while he's there? And their, their minds are racing back to all these events and how they all were connected and why they happened. And Jesus in this moment opens their understanding. That they might comprehend the scriptures. I want you to notice that Jesus doesn't just open their understanding of certain events. Nor does he just open their understanding of all things in general. Hey, I got to go um, here. Here's all the rest of the stuff. No, he doesn't do it that way. He, he doesn't open their understanding on how things are going to play out in the next few days of waiting. He opens their understanding with regard to the scriptures. Not that they didn't believe in the scriptures up to this point, but the direct connect between what Jesus said, all that he said, all that he did, why he came. Jesus here opens their understanding that they might get the big picture of the scriptures. And he goes on with his explanation in verse 46 of Luke 24. Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. I want you to notice here in verse 46. Notice what he's doing. He's helping them understand the recent events of his death, his burial, and his resurrection in light of what the scriptures had to say. And I think this is a great connect point for us here today. Do we view the events in our day through the lens of what the scriptures have to say? Do we see our role here as a witness to Jesus as part of God's redemptive plan? Look at verse 47. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Now, this had already been going on. Uh, life of John the Baptist again immediately comes to mind. Mark chapter one, verse four. It says John came baptizing in the wilderness. And what was he doing? He was preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. That's what he was doing. 
Well, this was also going to continue based on what Jesus said here in Luke 24. Even after Jesus left, he's calling them to be about preaching to the nations repentance and remission of sins in his name. And we see it doesn't take long in Acts chapter 2 in that sermon at the conclusion of Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. The people hear what he has to say and they are cut to the heart and they ask, what what do we need to do here? What's Peter say? Repent. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for what? For the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, you don't have to read too far into the book of Acts to recognize that the followers of Jesus had a whole lot more clarity. They seemed to have a whole lot more understanding of their role as a witness to Jesus when you turn the pages into the book of Acts, especially after Acts 2. Peter, in that same Pentecost message of the day in Acts 2, he explains to those gathered, many of whom were skeptical. They were assuming that these guys that were speaking were drunk. And notice what Peter does. He stands, love this, he stands as a witness to bear witness of the light. And notice what he does. He quotes from the prophet Joel to explain the pouring out of the Spirit. What's he doing? He's connecting the scriptures. Jesus says, open their understanding of the scriptures. And Peter is giving an explanation of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit by the scriptures. This is what Joel meant when he said that the spirit would be poured out. Peter goes on and he and he he teaches from Psalm 16 to explain how death would have no hold on Jesus. He goes on and he brings up Psalm 110 verse one in reference to Christ's ascension. He's using the scriptures to explain to the people the things that have happened. You see, these witnesses to Jesus started walking with understanding as the scriptures were opened to them. They began to piece things together from the law, like what we see in Deuteronomy 18, when Moses says there's a prophet like me who's coming. Well, that prophet like him that was coming was going to be ultimately fulfilled in Christ himself. Isaiah 53 echoed probably like never before of the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world, this suffering servant to come in Jesus. And the description in Psalm 22 stood out in vivid colors now as the Christ suffering on the cross while the, the, the crowds mocked him. You see, these scriptures were all coming into view now. There was this connect that was happening. There was an understanding that was now in place. Jesus fulfilled and confirmed the truth of the scriptures. And as a witness... Himself of God, that's John 1, 18. He came to declare God. That's Jesus came to give evidence that there is a God and this is who God is. Time and again, you read John's gospel and you see that Jesus didn't do anything except what the Father gave him to do. He didn't speak anything except the words the Father gave him to speak. He's giving testimony, evidence of who God is. He bore witness to the fact that there's life after death. See, his life is set before us as evidence that the grave could not hold him. Praise God. On one occasion, Jesus reads in the synagogue from Isaiah 61. And then he sits down and he says, today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, 
If you read that passage and you keep going, you find out that they didn't like that too well. And he was uh, about to, they, they plotted for his death, in fact, after that particular event. In response to the devil's temptations, Jesus responds on all three occasions with what? Scripture. Pulling from Deuteronomy. Time and again, the scriptures were pointing his followers back to the Messiah, the true bread from heaven. And the book of Leviticus, right? The blood um, sacrifices, the lambs slain on account of sin. The followers of Jesus were given understanding to comprehend the scriptures now. It's all pointing to Jesus. A witness to Jesus walks by faith. It's foundational to being a witness. But a witness to Jesus also walks with understanding. There's a connect with the scriptures. And really, the second point ties into the third and final one. And it's this. A witness to Jesus walks in power, walks by faith, walks with understanding, walks in power. You see, we really have little or no understanding unless it's fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. Unless it's fueled by the Holy Spirit illuminating what's in God's word for us. Would you agree that? The men who were raising the banner for Jesus in the book of Acts, they looked a whole lot different than the men who followed Jesus around in the Gospels. Different folks, weren't they? Different folks. Markedly different. What made them markedly different, church? Did they just try harder in the book of Acts? I don't think so. I think what made them markedly different was the fact that they now had in them the Spirit of God working. And so that the call to be a witness to Jesus with God the Spirit in them, working in them now, made all of the difference. As Jesus is speaking to his disciples in Luke 24 and Acts 1, remember that he's still on earth. And what follows on the heels of this narrative is The ascension of Jesus. He's leaving. In fact, you almost get the idea that while he's saying some of these words, he's leaving. He's he's getting ready to go. And then there's this waiting period. Have you ever wondered what the followers of Jesus were thinking when Jesus left? I mean, they'd heard Jesus teach about the Holy Spirit who was coming. But they really had no idea how these things were going to go down. Acts 2, 1 through 4 is a powerful picture of the Holy Spirit coming on the scene. The promise from the Father had come. And in John chapter 14 through 16, I encourage you to read that. John 14 through 16, moments before Jesus goes to the cross. These were some of the last things on the mind of Jesus that we get recorded in Scripture that he shares with his disciples. And in John 14, 15, and 16, one of the primary things he's talking about is, A, he's leaving, and B, he's going to be sending another counselor, another helper. And he says in John 16, 7, it's to your advantage, in fact, that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. We're now looking at Luke 24, Acts 1. He's about to depart. And so that's kind of their clue. That's kind of an indicator. Jesus said that he's going to leave. When he leaves, that this other helper is going to be coming. And so with Jesus gone from the scene, how would being a witness to Jesus work now? You know, it's sort of like falling around with the guy who knows or the lady that knows 
uh, everything there is to know. You know, they know how to do this or that. And you hang out with them. If something goes wrong, they can take it. They can run with it. Jesus is not here anymore. How is my witness now going to happen? If I don't know something, I can't go to Jesus and ask him. I mean, I think some real questions that they would have been considering. How that was all going to happen, the disciples were unclear. But you know, John 14, 17 and 18 says, Jesus is speaking again of the spirit. The world cannot receive the spirit of truth because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. Listen to what he says. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. He dwells with you. You know what I tend to believe there as Jesus is talking and saying he'll be with you. Jesus himself is filled with the spirit. The spirit literally is is with Christ as Jesus is sharing these words. He's with you literally. But there's going to be a day when I leave, Jesus says, when he will be in you. He says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I am going to come to you. Praise God he does that. Isn't it interesting to note that in God's redemptive plan, he continues to move closer to us? Think about it. God, the creator. God, the son sent from heaven to earth to display God walked among us for a time. God, the spirit sent from heaven to earth to indwell, equip and empower these earthen tents. God uses these these earthen tents to indwell his spirit in us. It's an amazing thing. Here's a bullet list. Some of the things that I think are important for us to know about the Holy Spirit. If we're going to walk in power as a witness to Christ. It's important we understand, at least in part, what the Holy Spirit, what he does, who he is, how he operates. He abides and resides with us forever. John 14 says the Holy Spirit will teach you all things. You concerned about not knowing enough. That's one of the things the Holy Spirit's going to help you and me with. Teach us. When we ask, he's going to provide that. He will provide a remembrance ministry. I, I, I so much praise him for this because I need those reminders. But the, the spirit will remind us. And he's always going to be pointing us to the truth found in Jesus. The Holy Spirit will testify of me, Jesus says. And you also will bear witness because you've been with me from the beginning, he says in John 15. The Holy Spirit's going to guide you into all truth. He's going to speak what he knows from Jesus. He's going to tell you things to come. He's going to glorify Jesus, for he's going to take what belongs to Jesus and he's going to make it known to you and me. Listen to this. He's going to help you in your weakness. He's going to help you in those times when you don't know what to pray. He's going to intercede and help and give us words to speak. During those times when tragedy comes, Jesus tells them this ahead of time. Hey, when you get thrown in the synagogue for my name's sake and you're wondering about what to say, don't worry about what to say because the Holy Spirit will give you words to speak in that moment. He's the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Talking about a witness, the Holy Spirit himself witnesses in us that we are his. You have not the spirit of Christ in you. You are not his, the Bible says in Romans 8. The spirit in us is at work to sanctify us, to make us holy. Thus the name Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. If you're not interested in being holy and being set apart by God, to God, for his purposes then you're probably not going to have much of an interest in the Holy Spirit, friends. 
because he's always going to be about pointing you to the truth of Jesus. Always going to be about pointing you to the work of Jesus. Always going to be about highlighting who Jesus is in your life. I love this. Acts 5. If you turn to Acts 5 for just a moment, the apostles have been in prison now a second time, at least what we have recorded. Who knows? It may have been the third or fourth or fifth time, but we've got for the second time recorded in Acts 5. They've been imprisoned. And listen to verses 29 through 32. They've been uh, brought forward and uh, slapped on the wrist, so to speak. Peter and the other apostles are answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Bold. Would you say that's a little bold? Um, him, God, has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel, forgiveness of sins. Remember, that's what we talked about here in Luke 24. Repentance and forgiveness of sins. Peter's preaching it right now. He's putting it forward in verse 32. And we are his witnesses to these things. And so also, don't miss this, is the Holy Spirit. Whom God has given to those who obey him. Ouch. Did you catch the last part of that? And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Well, again, it's one of those moments where they were ready to kill him. Based on the testimony. Based upon speaking the truth. And, you know, listen, as we look at the book of Acts, as we kind of bring this home. We may not be able to replicate the Acts 2 church in terms of the results of souls saved in a day. 3,000 souls came to know the Lord were added to the church that day in Acts 2. Praise God. We may not be able to replicate that. We may not live in a day that facilitates meeting together in homes daily and participating in some of the other body life activities described in the early chapters of Acts. But we can and we are called to be witnesses to Jesus in our day, you shall receive power. And with the power, you are to be a witness to Jesus Christ. The spirit now has been poured out where we stand today in 2021. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available for us 24-7 in Christ. This promise is available to all who place their trust in Christ for salvation. This promise is available uh, to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call and Jesus says in Luke eleven thirteen, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to him who asks? I was reading a book again this week in preparation for the message. You're probably familiar, many of you, with the author, uh, Francis Chan. And it's, it's a book that uh, is specifically about the Holy Spirit. So much appreciate Going back through it again this past week, just as another refresher and another reminder. He said, Christ is the one who gets the glory through our role as witness. He said, a sure sign of the Holy Spirit's working. You want to know a sign of the Spirit's working in your life and in my life? A sure sign of the Holy Spirit's working is that Christ is magnified, not people. When the Holy Spirit truly moves, God is the one praised. And I want to leave you with this familiar account in first in first Kings chapter 18. I just want to close with this. Been a they didn't come through. And now it's Elijah's turn to come through. And as he's preparing the altar for the sacrifice 
he goes above and beyond like four times, pour, pouring the water pots over the, the wood and over in the trenches and four times the amount. Why does he do that? Isn't he essentially setting himself up for failure? After that gets prepared, look at verse 36. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, I love this prayer. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant. And that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. And then fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust. And it licked up the water that was in the trench. Here's what I want you to see. When that was all done. When the people saw it. They fell on their faces. And they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Friends, are you a witness to Jesus Christ? Make it your aim that others might marvel at God and want to know this Jesus that you're living for. When they see your life and hear your life. Are they going to say, the Lord, he is God. Let's pray. Father, so many things here are convicting and humbling. Truly, it always is as we look to your word and and inquire of, of you through your word for counsel, for instruction. There are times, Lord, your word is is given to us and it, it lands as a rebuke. Lord, if that's the case this morning, may it be so. May it land as a rebuke and move us out of our slothful living. For, Lord, we have been given much. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of your Holy Spirit who now abides and resides in us forever. Help us, Lord, I pray, to walk by faith. Help us to walk with understanding now, piecing the scriptures together, being able to see that all of scripture is pointing to Jesus, the Messiah, the long-awaited King, our Savior. And Lord, I pray that we would live this life that we have in the power that you have entrusted to us in the person of your Holy Spirit. May people, when they see and encounter us, be able to look to you. May they see the light shining in us and be quick to praise you, Father, in heaven. Thank you, Father, for your good word. I thank you for Prairie View Christian Church. And I pray your blessing, Lord, upon each member, each person, each family. I pray that your Holy Spirit would preside in this place and do his amazing work here. That those who come in the doors on a regular week, Lord, would be able to see The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And may we all as a body of Christ endeavor to walk faithfully as a witness to you in our days. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.